Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a podcast where a couple guys do what they've done for many years, which is sit around and talk about games, except this time we have microphones turned on. So, Tony, did you recoup from our Saturday gaming experience? Yeah, Marty, I'll be honest with you. It was probably a one of the more intense. It was almost up there with a war machine tournament. And, and you know, Twilight Imperium, is that how you say it? Twilight Imperium. I understand why they call it epic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so Twilight Imperium is considered one of the most complicated, longest games that's out on the market right now. And, uh, and it's one of those things that I think we've seen for years and always wanted to try, but never had the opportunity. So when a good friend of ours asked us to play, it's like, yeah, we need to go check this out. Just to kind of say, we, it's almost like uh, climbing Mount Everest. We did it. We can say we did it. And and I'll admit, we had to stop for some oxygen. We were, <laughs> I mean, base, we started out at base camp. It was looking pretty good. You know, we knew we knew it was going to be a steep climb. Um, and I will say that, you know, you, you have StarCraft and I mentioned this in our blog and how I thought, Oh, I've played StarCraft. I understand what a four by game. And before we go too deep in, in here, we'll talk about four bys in a later podcast. Four X. Four X. Sorry. I'm, I'm, Hey, four by four, four X. Okay. <laughs> four X games. And it, it was, I, I appreciate the guys hanging with us, teaching us. And it's one of those games that you, like you said, man, we climbed it. We did it. We conquered it. We got the t-shirt. Okay. That's right. That's right. I played this game and all I got was a stinking t-shirt. Uh-huh. Um, and how, and how long did it take us? Six hours? No, it took us eight and a half hours. We started at 3.30 in the afternoon. We finished roughly around 11.30. And thank God there's an I win card. Wow. <laughs> That's right. It was eight hours. Oh, my goodness. It, it was incredible. And we appreciate Alex. Alex is going to be on the show later. We, uh, not this show, but a later podcast. He's going. We're going to have an interview with him, and we'll ask him. We'll beat him up over this and any other epics. Well, he does have one for us, Merchant and Marauders. There's another one for us. Yeah, but that's not a 4X game, really. Yeah, that's true. It's that was just a fun, fun board game. And, you know, it. And really, uh, StarCraft is a 4X game. Um, it has a lot of the same components and stuff. It's, remember, it took us a long time when we were learning that game, too. Exactly. Great game. And what's so funny is if we hadn't had such a love for that video game, I don't think I'm, we may have had flipped the board on you, man. Holy cow. No, that, that's true. But it seems like and I, uh, me, you, and a couple of other guys in our little gaming group would get together, and every time we did, we always had to pull out the rules again. And for some reason... Uh, I will say that Twilight Imperium, once <laughs> about three hours in, <laughs> you didn't have to reference the rules as much anymore. It was it kind of had a good flow to it at that time. You kind of knew what was going on. I think the only thing was, and I think it's this way with any 4X game, is what's your strategy? And you probably have to play a game a couple times in order to figure out, okay, what do I need to do during the game to try to win? Exactly. And like I didn't realize how key the placement of of the planet tiles were going to be that it was going to really dictate how you got your resources and began your tech trees and all this other stuff it was so you know you're right we need another time we need another you know six hours dedicated so oh I'd say we'd be ready in about six months <laughs> but it, yeah and uh, it's one of those things too it's uh, it's not a turtling game I mean, really, the only way to win is you kind of got it, kind of got to be aggressive, 
and I'm not a super aggressive guy when it comes to board games, and that was going. I knew that was going to be my downfall. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. But anyway, but it was it was a great experience. I appreciate you uh, get me hooked up on that game, get making sure I got invited to it. It was it was good, and I look forward to another adventure to it. Yep. But that's not what this podcast is about. What's this episode about? This is all about my favorite genre, a game that you got. After Lord of the Rings trading card game, you got me hooked on this by introducing me to co-op games. And we'll talk about our in our casual corner the game that I play all the time because uh, the neighbors love it. My wife loves it. Pandemic. and But it's all about co-op games. And that's what this podcast is all about. Well, let's get started. All right. So, Marty... In your mind, what is the definition of a co-op game? What comes, what, what do you think they should be? What does it mean to you? Well, isn't the name pretty obvious? Co-op game, a cooperative game where you're playing together as a group as opposed against each other? But is it a solely cooperative game where you're all trying to achieve one set of conditions? Or is it a co-op game where you're also got another objective? Can it be a, a secret objective? I see what you're saying. I guess when I think of pure cooperative game, I guess I am thinking of everybody is working towards one goal, or as the term you used, objective, to get something done. Well, and the reason why I bring that up, I mean, to me, the card game Spades, that's a cooperative game between you and me as partners, but we have an enemy. Yeah, we're on the same team. So so I guess what I'm trying to get to is for, for the audiences saying, hey, when we think of a co-op board game, you know, in your mind or in my mind, I'm looking at a game where we're all trying to team up to beat the game. Yes, that that's a good explanation. I agree. I agree. It's it's the whole group against the game as opposed to an individual or a group of individuals. A group of individuals? What the heck is that? How about a team? I, I don't know. How about all y'all? There we go. That's Southern term. Oh, y'all. There you go. That good Southern thing. So... So yeah, it's a co-op game. Is it a game where you come in and you've got uh, an objective that the game is trying to beat you and everybody's trying to come out. Like, uh, I guess a, a good intro game that both, as an example for anyone who wants to go out and say, well, what what is a co-op game? I think probably one of the best ones that I've played recently and just got is Castle Panic, where everybody's trying to defend their castle. That's a good intro co-op game it's very simple it's easy to teach uh, young kids it says 10 and up but you know that's an a good intro style um, co-op game how about you do you have any like intros that you would consider along that line actually yes i do there was one obviously the one we're going to talk about in casual corner but the another one that just uh, came to the table recently i've played a couple times is a game called flashpoint uh, that came out last year and the premise is pretty simple. You have a building, uh, like a, a layout of a building, and there are fires that are breaking out inside the building, and there are people trapped in the building. You and the rest of your team are firefighters that must go into the building, try to extinguish the fire, and then try to uh, rescue the people that are inside. As firefighters, each of you has a certain role. There may be a person who's good at extinguishing fires. There may be a good a person that is good at... Uh, getting people out of the place. There may be a person who's a captain who can 
help give orders and like move people in their turn. So it, it's a role-based game where everybody's not playing the exact same way because everybody has their own role. Um, so that is a game that actually, if I was to introduce one now, it would probably be that one just because the concept of a burning building and trying to get people out is real easy, easy to grasp. So, so I can be Johnny Gage or Roy DeSoto? <laughs> okay, for yes. those of you who don't know who that is, quick, just go out and, and Google that. All right. Okay. That was a oh, classic TV show. <laughs> wow. Sorry, man. I'm surprised you pulled those names out. That's amazing. Oh, man. I watched that show so much. So, yeah, you've got me very. I, one of us needs to add it to their collection. Okay, I volunteer you and so that we can play that game because I'm very interested in it. I've, I've been eyeing it. And I, instead, I went with Castle Panic when I was picking between the two. And you, and I'm kind of wondering if I made the right choice there. I've heard Castle Panic is really good too. You know, I've actually never played it. So, uh, next time we hook up, maybe you can bring it yeah. and we can try it out because I've I've never played that one either. Yeah, but I'm I, I think but I put Castle Panic at the same level as Forbidden Island, a, a, another game by the gentleman who created um, I believe he created the guy who created Pandemic um, did Forbidden Island which to me is, is very basic as far as v- another good intro game, which isn't a step up from Flashpoint. I mean, it's just go out, you're a bunch of guys trying to save the treasure from a sinking island. Eh, you know, that was, it, it wasn't that challenging. Right. I have, I have played that one. In fact, we have used that at a, um, one of our library days, our um, local club sponsors library days where uh, kids come in from the neighborhood and we teach them how to play games and that one is one that we use because it's 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 easy to teach. And, and you're right; it's not as strategic as maybe some of the other ones. But that is also a good intro game. Now you also introduced me to one, um, Castle Ravenloft, um, Elder Signs, Ark, uh, one of the Arkham ones. Those two are also co-op games that people might be interested in. Yeah, the um, Castle Ravenloft is based on the Dungeons and Dragons world, and they actually came out with three games. And it was Castle Ravenloft, <laughs> I can't remember the second one, and uh, Legend of Drizzt. And it's basically like a dungeon crawler type game where you have map tiles that are flipped, that are turned face down, and each of you take on a classic D and D role: uh, a warrior, um, a, a cleric, uh, a hunter, a wizard, that sort of thing. So everybody has a certain role, and you're playing against the game. the The game system works really well in that uh, you make a move, and at the end of your turn, you basically um, uh, take control, or or, or or whenever you flip tiles, new monsters may come out, and people are responsible for moving those monsters around the board. And the rules tell you exactly how to move them, so it's not like you have a choice. So it's a, it's a real good gameplay dynamic where. Uh, they tell you how to move the monsters, but then as a group, you need to try to defeat them. And there's usually some goal that you're that you're working towards. And all three of those are, are pretty much the same. Okay, so it's if you've got that RPG role playing game niche, there is your co op game. Yeah, that's that's true. It does feel like a dumbed down RPG because you you get the same sort of skills and stuff that you would if you were to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, well, and then Elder Signs, which we played at our our Queen City Gaming Club. Uh, Todd introduced me to that, and I went out and I said, you know, this would be a great game to introduce to the, the, the gamers who do not want to play the hard strategy games. That game fits perfectly, and it's 
different in as far as all the co-ops because you got dice. Do you feel like it's Yahtzee, though? I don't ever. Sometimes, especially, you know, rolling and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need, uh, yeah, I need the sixes. Um, I, could, I could definitely see that. But the strategy is which rooms you need to beat, which monsters you need to beat. So it, it takes that element, but you're absolutely right. The, the only reason why I enjoy it is it's different. It's got that other level of chance when I want that in a, in a game that I'm playing, especially in a co-op game. And I think the theme works pretty well, but Fantasy Flight, who, who makes Elder Signs, have basically done three games um, based on that uh, Lovecraftian lore uh, type thing. And all of them are co-op. Elder Signs, Mansions of Madness, and Arkham Horror. And actually, in that level, they get a little bit more difficult, a little bit more involved. So Elder Signs is probably the easiest to teach, the shortest game. Mansions of Madness, which almost has kind of a feel of a Castle Ravenloft, and like that, and you're in a, you have tiles that you flip over and you you move around. Um, that's kind of the mid game. It's a tad longer, a little more complicated. And the granddaddy is Arkham Horror, which is you know a three to four hour game depending on the number of people playing. But it's strictly a co-op, and I've played that game twice, and I absolutely love it. Um, Number one, it's a co-op game, so I like co-op games. But the theme of the game, it's so rich. It's as you're playing the game, you feel like you're in the the 20s um, in the city of Arkham and fighting these demons and, and monsters that are coming through these portals. They do a really good job of keeping the gameplay stuck to the, the to the theme so it feels like you're actually playing as these characters and working together in order to, to close all these um these gates down so that the the big bad elder gods don't come through okay but isn't it epic in length like twilight imperium no it's like i said it's three to four hours if you got people that really know what they're doing it could probably move it's probably three hours okay now as we're moving up in complexity so uh, recapping, you know, intro, Forbidden Island, Castle Panic, then as far as games we've played, then moving to the next level, um, Pandemic, maybe Flashpoint goes intro or, or medium level, Elder Signs along that line, and then where where do you think uh, Arc, uh, Mans- Mansions of Madness, did I say that right? Yeah, I think Mansions of Madness, Castle Ravenloft, those those games will probably fall into lines together. Okay. Games I haven't played that I've read a lot about trying to decide, because like I said, I love co-op games. I think, um, you know, other hardcore games, like you just mentioned, Arkham Horror, would be ones such as uh, Ghost Stories, um, where, you know, you're trying to defeat the Chinese ghosts. That's really, you know, I, I saw videos on it when I was looking at all the co-op games that looks very interesting to me but uh, one of the the bad things about it Marty I read on all the reviews at boardgamegeek.com is that you lose more than you win I don't need that in a co-op game no and in fact now you're more of an experienced pandemic player than I am and and, um, we'll get more into that later but that was kind of my frustration with pandemic is for a long time we kept losing and I was really tired of losing okay um so we had that one. Then there's um, Shadows Over Camelot. Once again, uh, really love the the King Arthur type series where you're, you're knights trying to go do quests. But they introduced something that was introduced in an expansion of Pandemic or uh, with the Bioterrorist. But in that game, which you and I have discussed is 
when you introduce people that can turn the game and make the game that they become the winner if everybody else loses, how do you feel about that as far as a co-op game? Is, is that something you enjoy? I'm trying to think of one that I've actually played like that. You know, I don't know that I have. have but you? would you like that concept where like, okay, you and I are playing, then suddenly you're at the brink and then bam, I'm the Dark Knight, like in Shadows Over Camelot, and I've won, and you failed. Ha ha, I'm the only winner, you know. I, I, I would. I would like that as as a, a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, I would appreciate that aspect of it just because it would be something then a co-op and something I'm interested in. But isn't um, another co-op game, or Battlestar Galactica, would you consider that a co-op game? I'd consider it a co-op game because, you know, you're trying to – uh, get everybody to safety and but somewhere it isn't somebody a toaster or something yes and it's a long um, one isn't it it's a long c- cylons yeah there, there's some people that are cylons you're trying to determine who they are okay so you're you're playing to try to get everybody get the the fleet to safety meanwhile somebody's out there being a cylon trying to sabotage the fleet so to me i mean yeah they're all still co-op games um you know, not, uh, Night of the Living Dead. That's considered a co-op yeah. game because you're all, you're all working, and this is on tabletop for those who want to go watch it. You know, you've got people who are trying to do the various things to survive against the zombies while you've got other players who are co-oping, which brings us back to the earlier point. You know, like Spades, I've got a group working to co-op and another. So co-op games sometimes are everybody against the board, and sometimes it's a group of players working to together to defeat so i guess we've you know that's where we start crossing that line in a co-op game yeah yeah i guess so but there is one thing about the co-op games that i've I've always liked is is that when you try to introduce people to this tabletop hobby i found that co-op games are a good way to start because there are a lot of people who aren't really competitive and don't want to really sit down at a table where they don't really know what they're doing and know they're going to get waxed because they never played it before. That's why I find that co-op games are really good for people who you're just trying to get into the hobby and get introduced because you all play together. You either win together or you lose together. Right. Um, And then on our side, you know, that's pretty much laid out a tier of things from the intro, Forbidden Island, so forth and so on. But a, a game that you and I both have played that goes to our heart card games sentinels of the multiverse you and i played that and that was a co-op game right and that was actually pretty good it's not one of those i went out and to rush out to buy because i felt the game would get monotonous after a while but um actually i'm glad you mentioned that because i totally forgot about that one that 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 is a good co-op game playing against the board so it's not against each other It's, it's strictly all together as superheroes trying to defeat a villain Right, and they get stronger over time, and you have to beat it. Another game that you and I just recently played that we wrote up a review at our blog is um, Legendary, a Marvel Universe deck-building game. That's a co-op-type game. Right, except there was a way for a ultimate winner to be determined at the end of the game, though. Right, and the same thing happens in Castle Panic. At the end of the game, whoever carries kills the most monsters becomes the months, the the what the master slayer. And yeah, it was hard uh-huh. to say with a straight face. So, but you know, legendary. There, there you go. They bring they bring the um, deck building um, concept into a co op game of trying to beat that mastermind, the master villain. And, and I'll admit, it was it wasn't a, 
a, a great game for me, like you and I discussed. I think that there's levels of intensity to a co-op game, and that's what I look for in a co-op game. And and for some of them, if they don't bring that brink of losing the game to me, then that's not that's not that's how I judge my co-op game. You have got to play Arkham Horror then. Uh, oh, I know, and and hopefully Holy someday, cow. someday you'll you'll get your um, brother-in-law up here with it. Man, when you're getting towards the end of the game, and there's kind of a, a, a almost a ticking time bomb, a ticking clock in the game, and when you realize how much further you have to go before that clock expires and the big bad god comes through, which you probably may not beat, uh, it's pretty intense. Oh, see, there you go. Other games that come to mind as far as co-ops that people may want to look into with their space alert, and that's that's almost got a co-op real-time aspect to it where you're trying to count down or the clock is ticking as you try to save the spaceship if I remember correctly and I may be getting that confused that was another one I looked at and of course you've got um, a new one that just came out that I thought about getting zombie side once again what's with the Mm -hmm. zombie games okay walking dead I understand walking dead which by the way starts again soon so I'm pretty excited but anyway oh yeah better check the the recorder make sure that yeah you better make sure that yeah because it's it's good stuff anyway um so yeah zombies are big another one that just um came out that i was wanting to try before we did this podcast was space cadets uh which has got some decent reviews in that uh, each of you has a certain role in and um maintaining us or controlling a spaceship Mm -hmm. and uh I, I, I'm not sure what the goal is, but you got to work together, and and you work together by doing a series of mini games. Right, right. And each person has a certain mini game that they have to complete in a certain amount of time in order to to meet their objective or or fulfill their role. And you piqued my interest when you were talking about, it and I went and watched the videos on it. And I've, sometimes I wonder, okay, so I'm reaching in a bag to try to do Tetris puzzles. Come on, really? Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be one of those niche games I think for people if they if they like if they have the uh, where they've got to constantly be doing something. And what that does I think is it eliminates the worst thing about co-op games, and that is that A player that that alpha player who's trying to tell everybody. Yeah, and actually I was just getting ready to bring that up. So we talked about a lot of the good things about co-op games, but what are cons? And I think the biggest con is what you just hit on. You never know sometimes the group of people that you're going to be playing with when you do a co-op game. And sometimes type A personalities or or those that kind of are, I guess, control freaks, when you get into a co-op game, sometimes a person will just kind of try to take on that leadership role where they kind of tell everybody else what to do. And that's, that can take away the fun for the people who just want to play the game and make their own decisions. Right, where the winning of the game, they don't let it unfold. They, they have to be in control. Right, and I assume with the many co-op games you've played, you've, you've had to run across somebody that was yeah. like that. Oh, of course, and, but I still do a podcast with him. <laughs> no, wait a minute, no. Am I that way? No, of course not, man. But I, I know what you're you're saying. Um, <laughs> but it's the. But you're absolutely right. They're not letting the other people go. However, then we go to the other spectrum. The person, and this drives me insane. Analysis paralysis in a co-op game, where we try to discuss the next fifteen moves. Good God! Oh, just make a move. 
That's true. Yeah. Well, see, that to me, that kind of falls into the type A thing because somebody's going to sit there and say, all right, listen, on your turn, you do this. On your turn, you do this. Then on your turn, you do this. And everybody's just, okay, you know, this is like, okay, you're a robot and I'm just going to tell you what to do. But yeah, the analysis paralysis thing where they sit there and, well, now I'm okay with analysis paralysis as long as everybody is involved in the discussion on what to do. Uh, With pandemic, I remember having long discussions during turns about how should should we approach this to uh, have the best chance of succeeding. Right. And, and all of us would have different ideas and toss them out. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I, I, and this is where that's the the breaking point for me in a co-op game. If there's too much of it, it's going to turn me off. And that's why I'm thinking flashpoint pandemic. Yeah. Pandemic has to go there, but eventually it's make the move, go for it. You know, that's, yeah, that's part yeah. of the fun of the game, but I understand what you're saying completely. Yeah. I, and I guess that may depend on the players. Right. If players are starting to get bored and you can kind of tell, then you you need to move on. But if you have a group that's really, really into it, eh, maybe, maybe you spend a little bit more time discussing because everybody's kind of involved anyway. Yeah, but don't don't sit there and play. Could, could you imagine if we had been playing Twilight Imperium and we had gotten into analysis paralysis with one player or two players? We'd still be there, man. Yeah, well, that's that's the bad thing about those games is I try to make sure I don't because I know it slows down the game. But there are times when I really, really wanted to because I felt I needed to. Right. But uh, So I guess what we're saying about co-op games is that they're great games. They're a great break from those games where you're either working as an individual or you feel the more social need you bring it all together you sit down you try to beat the board if just beating the board's not enough there's games out there that provide a traitor um along with that i would hey mark i would classify resistance werewolf resistance avalon all in that theme too then yeah yeah somewhat in that yeah, if there's somebody out there that you're trying to out that's trying to be against the rest of the group, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about that, but I can I can see where you're where you're saying that. Yeah. So um, as we close out this segment on co-op games, anything else? And then I'm going to quiz you, man. You're going to quiz me? Yeah. Oh, you didn't tell me you were going to do this. It's oh well, oh shoot! I've one last Lord of the Rings, a living card game. There's a co-op game. Oh, there you go. That's an excellent example. So. Uh, uh, the living card game from Fantasy Flight. Um, they came out with the uh, Lord of the Rings, and it is strictly co-op. You are playing against the game, and they've done a really good job. You can play single player up to four players, and you're you're all working together to try to complete quests and stuff like that. Really, really good game. Um, it's probably a little bit deeper than maybe some beginners would want to to mess around with. I remember uh, it took me and you quite a few times to get through it to where we didn't have to constantly reference the rules and the, and the turn phases and stuff. But I, really good co-op game. Right, and we haven't played in so long. Might as well break the rules back out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so so here's the quiz. What do you think is the number one, co- if, you, if you filter on co-op games on BoardGame.Geek, and you go into the advanced search and you say, BoardGame.Geek? Yep, yeah, whatever, BoardGameGeek. <laughs> okay, uh, you, you know what I meant. Come on, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Uh, right, go ahead. No problem. All right. So well, if you filter on co-op games, what, what do you th- what do you think's number one ranked? You know, yeah, I got it pulled up right here. What the number one co-op? Um, 
if if you only if that's the only thing you filter on. Take take a guess. Okay, okay. I, I I'm gonna have to say because I see so many people play it, and it's probably wrong. Pandemic. It's number two. Number one is Mage Knight. No way. It's the highest geek rating. Now, of course, they're not considering it as a, you know, they're ranking it on the co-op factor of it, but they are ranking the game overall. Uh, the average rating. So, you know. Really? Yeah. So I, I didn't really consider it much of a, I just you've played it. Good, I, 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 have I it. didn't have a good experience with that game. So I'd have to go back and play it again. No, I'm not. I'm not playing it again. Sorry. Yeah, now there. Somebody else, somebody else can let us know if it's a really good co-op game or not. Because I, after playing it once, oh my gosh, you talking about analysis paralysis? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, no, I'm surprised at that. I, I would not. So, what's number three, by the way? Uh, number three would have be um, Space Alert. Okay. And then Lord of the Rings. Ar- okay. Arkham Horror. Yep. Ghost Stories, and to round out the top ten, Flashpoint, and one that we've never played that I've always wanted to play, but just because it's the genre of it, I don't think would appeal to my group, is Defenders of the Realm. Um, Heard of it? Not exactly sure. It's, I've seen it. It's where you have the invading hordes coming at you, and your heroes, and your, like, um, I don't know, dwarves, and it's been a while since I've read about it uh, and watched the reviews on it, but you're, you've got little miniatures, and, they're, and the people are coming at you. Oh, uh, it, it's a it's a very interesting game. The only reason why I've always held off on it is it, the only time it would get played is when we when we would get together and things like that. And we've already got so many other games to do. You think? I I, I think so because I don't I think the genre would not fit in well with my other group. Yeah. Oh well. All right. Well, uh, f- anything else we got here? No, I I think not. So I guess what we need to do is we need to get into taking a little bit closer look at uh, Pandemic as people might want to consider that as a good intro to co-op games. Well, as we said, a really good co-op game to introduce to people and a good one to learn is Pandemic. It's one of the more popular games. As we found out, it's number two on BoardGameGeek.com's co-op list. Um, however, it's actually been a few months since I've played it, and I know that Tony and his neighbors play this game a lot. So, Tony, I'm going to let you go a little bit into the rules and how this game is actually played. I appreciate that, Marty. And, yes, we do play it a lot. It is one of our favorite games. It's probably one of the few co-op games where you can come down to getting to the end and you see victory. You have the light at the end of the tunnel and bam, it's taken away from you. And, and that's one of the most enjoyable parts about Pandemic for me. Game is real simple. You're working as a team of scientists, researchers, medics. There's a whole list of professions, and everybody's dealt a profession at the beginning. And you are trying to cure the world of diseases. And the diseases are represented by cubes. So your team of, of scientists or whatever are going out and what you have the capability of doing is you take four actions during your turn and your actions are movement on the board or curing the disease or removing cubes. Now, while you're doing that, um, at the end of your turn, 
you infect the board again and you flip over locations. Now this is a, a map of the board and it shows you the various locations uh, like Tokyo, Sydney, uh, Mumbai, uh, Mexico City, Atlanta, just all over the board. So you have cards that flip over and you place an infection cube. Now various regions are different colors. So you, you have to manage colors and the way you cure the disease is by matching getting five of the same color cities together. This is, this is another deck that you're drawing from. These are the, the cards in your hand. Some people play it with closed hands. Some people lay their cards down. I figure, you know, you're going to be talking anyway. So we play open-handed. So you do your four actions. You infect the board. And play continues until either you cure all the diseases or, you, or the game wins. The game can win by having more than eight outbreaks occur. An outbreak is when you have more than three cubes in a city and that city turns back over. You can outbreak. Or when you run out of cubes of a specific color that you can no longer populate the board with those cubes and therefore then you lose the game. Or the draw deck that builds the player's hand runs out and you haven't cured the last disease. That's really high level, Marty. I know there's a lot more to it. Uh, is there anything, you know, to kind of help explain something I might have missed here? No, I, I think you got it. The, the way the, uh, the, the, the diseases come out, like you said, is you flip over the cards, whatever the color is, you put down a cube on that, on that city, and it kind of goes from there. The, um, the, the thing that was always tough to me about that game is the fact that there are so many ways for the game to win, and there's only one way for you to win. Right. And and I think it was always tough for us when we first started playing was the balancing aspect of realizing, okay, we've got three conditions under control where the game compete us, but the fourth is, is getting out of hand. And it seems like when you start focusing on that fourth one, one of the others starts getting out of hand. Right. And you and you've got to take that into account. And that's where the sometimes we've gotten into the my dreaded analysis paralysis. Well, how do we manage this? How do we manage that? And it's like, guys, you're just going to have to try and, and go with the decision and, and make it happen. Um, one, a couple of things uh, now people want to say, and so I, I really don't understand how can another city in the player draw deck, and I didn't mention this, there are epidemic cards. And when you turn those bad boys over, you then all of a sudden, first off, you draw the bottom card. So as a player at the end of your turn, you draw two more cards from the player draw pile. If one of those happens to be an epidemic card, then you take the card from the bottom of the city cards and you infect that one with three cubes. You reshuffle the cards you've already turned over, shuffle them up, including the one you just drew and put it back on top. So it's not like you're going through a stack of cards. You're always going back over the ones that you've just done. And that's how the game regenerates or, or gets the diseases out on the board. And that's what can get you, that's what can make the game end real quick, Marty, where you do a epidemic and then you're going a little bit and bam, here comes the next epidemic right on yeah, top. Because the, the epidemics are randomly um, scattered throughout the deck, correct? Right. Well, you divide it depending on how many epidemics you had. If you're putting the 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 non-legend or the easy setting is four epidemics in the deck, you would have four uh, uh, piles that you insert a random in and then you combine the four piles one on top of the other. 
So yeah, if you shuffle an epidemic and it's the top one, and then you take another epidemic and it's the bottom card and you put those two piles together, then they're back to back. And then suddenly, bam, bam, you got massive outbreaks and game over. Right. And the thing about the, um, the epidemic cards about, uh, uh just people understand is when you take your, uh, go, the cities that you've already gone through and you take them and put them back on top, that means you're going to hit those exact same cities again. Right. And, and, and that's where the tough part is. It's like, I just put a cube on, let's say Tokyo and it, here comes an epidemic and Tokyo goes back into the top of the deck. And it's like, great. We know we're going to have to place another cube there. Well, when you talked about outbreaks before, if there was three, three cubes there, you know, Tokyo is coming up again. You better get over there and remove one of those cubes by, um, is it, is it curing? Yeah. Curing. Curing, when you cure, you remove a cube off the board, or otherwise an outbreak is going to occur. And there's the whole chain reaction of outbreaks to where if you have a city a, a city with three cubes and a fourth one's supposed to go there and it causes an outbreak, well, there, there are lines that are connecting all the cities. And a cube will go to, an additional cube will go to the next city that's adjacent to the one that had the outbreak. Well, if there are three cubes in that one, that starts an outbreak. So that was where it really gets crazy, but also every outbreak, your little outbreak counter, and I believe it's eight. Yeah, it's eight. eight. Yeah, I mentioned earlier it was eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you hit eight outbreaks, game over. Right, and and every time you draw an epidemic, then the infection rate ticks up because you start with okay, we're going to turn over, um, you know. How many cards do you turn over at the end of a player's turn? You will turn over three. Then you'll turn over four of these city cards. And that's where you put the cubes. So when you turn a card over, you only put one in. So as in epidemics go, it ratchets up from three to four to five. And so you're turning over more and more of those city cards, putting more and more cubes. And yeah, it can run out. Now, one of the things that I've had happen before and we've, basically said okay reset the game is where when we shuffle the city cards put them down and all of a sudden it's all congregated in one area like all all the reds show up and you're just like you're like well this sucks there's you know there's no way we're going to be you you can start playing but you can just see immediately that, that you've got no way to get control to it yeah, and that's one thing we saw too. When that situation happens, you almost feel doomed from the start. And it's like, why don't we just start over again? Almost type deal. Yeah. So but I mean, but I guess people that are really good can can probably pull it off. Right. And so you you increase your your difficulty by inserting more epidemic cards in the the player draw pile, and you start at four. You go five, six, and then with they introduce the expansion on the brink. You now had seven with on the brink. They gave you more different types of careers. So the original careers, dis, let's see if I can get them already. Here we go. Dispatcher, scientist, uh, medic, oh, uh, research placer guy. God, what was his name? Oh, man. Is it not just researcher? Or maybe researcher. And what's number five? Number five. Number Who's five. the guy that moves people around? That's the dispatcher. Scientist gives you the ability to cure four. 
Yeah, why don't, why don't you quickly kind of explain what the roles are and okay. how each person plays a different role. Okay. Well, in the base game, you're given five roles, and as you can see, we're struggling with number five, but that's okay. We'll come to us, but everybody randomly gets a role. So in the base game, there's the medic. He, he has a special power that nobody else does. When he cures a city, he removes all the cubes. And if a disease has been completely eradicated then it will get then when he moves into that city the cubes magically disappear yay so um and when what do i mean by eradicated that means all the cubes from that color have been removed from the board that and the and the disease has been cured then it becomes eradicated and it has special effects we're going way too deep into the game here so he's the medic and that's the one my wife will beat you up for she loves playing the medic because it's that all-powerful guy um then the one that i always seem to draw i don't know why it is marty but i'm always the dispatcher the dispatcher is the guy who can move other people around the board so basically i end up sitting in atlanta where you start moving (laughs) the other guys right it sucks um the other one that I cannot think of the name of it is the one that allows you to trade cards with other players without having been in the same city. Operations expert. Huh? Operations expert. Oh, thank Operations expert. That's it. Are you sure about that? Are you looking this up? I guess. Okay. So that person, because the way it's... We interrupt this podcast with an important piece of information. As I was editing this podcast, I realized I had fed Tony an erroneous piece of data. When he was going to be talking about the researcher, I told him that role was in fact the operations expert. That is incorrect. The operations expert is the person that can place research centers around the map, which makes it easier to travel between cities. However, since we're on a tight production schedule and Tony is out of town and cannot re-record this section, I'm going to edit out everywhere that operations expert was mentioned with the word researcher. Since this is a professionally done podcast, you will not notice those edits at all. Now back to the podcast. Cure diseases, like we said, let's get five cards of the same color. Researcher. In order to trade, you have to be in the city with the card that you want to trade. That rule. How many times did you have to go over that rule before people understood it? A lot. And and they always said, so what you're telling me is that, and then with researcher, it kind of breaks that rule. And right. And then they're saying, well, I can give the researcher this card. No, the researcher can give you a card when he's not in the city of the card. You can't do that back. Huh? Right. Well, okay. And, and then it's hard to grasp that to jump. Okay. There's different modes of travel, right? Yeah. You can just move, um, from path to path to cities, or if you have a city card, you can jump straight to it. Right. Right. You can do yeah. you okay. direct flights or charter flights or all this other stuff. And it's yeah. how you move around the board. So the, so the thing is, it's like, Ooh, I can use my card to get to the city. Well, it's like, well, yeah, but if you do that, you can't trade that card because you no longer have it. And that's the only thing you can trade in that city is that card. Exactly. And, and, and you're limited because the, 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 you need five cards in order to cure, like we're saying. So if you're trading those cards into the discard pile to travel, then you're limiting your chances of finding the cure for that card. So, right. So, you know. So, I so mean, you know what? We're making this game sound a whole lot more complicated than what it should for Casual Corner. <laughs> Casual Corner is about sitting down and experiencing a new game. So, yeah. It's actually, it's... <laughs> 
it's a great game. I will say uh, um, for people who enjoy board gaming and haven't tried co-op, this this is it's it's the co-op game in my opinion to to have people play. And I know when I introduced it, you're absolutely right. Everybody's looking at me like, "Oh my god, we'll never get it." Now, it's it's not a problem. My wife just looked at me and said, "You got to be kidding me." I said, "No, no, you'll get it. Just stay with me. Stay with me." You take it's like playing Seven Wonders. You got to play it once. Once you play it, you love it. Yeah, and um, I guess uh, you and your play, little play local play group over there in your neighborhood's gotten pretty good at this, right? Yeah, we're we're up to um, six epidemics, and we usually beat the game. And I'm trying to wow. convince them to go to seven, but there's no way we're going to seven. Is what I'm hearing. Uh, which because brings, you always want to win? No, because well, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I want to lose some, but they, they, they like the feeling of accomplishment, and that's great. Well, doesn't that take away – I mean, it's like, hey, we're going to win, so let's spend the next hour and a half playing because we know we're going to win. Well, I think you're right, and I think it's a 50-50 chance, to be honest with you. We were, we win 50% of the time. So, And then, of course, they came out with the expansion on the brink, gave more roles, and gave it a lot, added um, new types of epidemics, added a bioterrorist, added the purple cubes. So they added a lot of stuff. But most, most exciting news, yay, is this is its fifth year. And, they've, and Z-Man's releasing the new, a redone pandemic. Yep, I actually saw it yesterday in Target. Right, so you can pick it up in Target. They've changed the cubes. They've redone the art, thank God, especially for On the Brink. The epidemiologist looked like the elephant woman. It was. <laughs> I can't even picture what she looks like. Now I've got to go pull that out to see what you're talking oh about. My, it was just awful. Um, and they've modified some of the classic roles, and, but they've updated the art. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not too keen on the new board that they threw out there. I don't really like it. I like the old board. But I do like the new card art. I think I think they've done an excellent job, and hopefully the stock is a little bit sturdier than what currently exists. Oh, that's good because you're right that the the card stock on that stuff was pretty flimsy. I felt like I had to put it in sleeves, but maybe it is a little bit thicker this time around. And I was hoping that maybe uh, I'm think I'm really debating on whether or not to get it just so I can see. But if they didn't put the like they did for on the brink, if they didn't give me the petri dishes, that's a big no no. You yeah, got to I include. I don't know if they did or not. I don't either. I haven't seen an unboxing of it yet, so that'd be kind of. And what's the uh, uh, manufacturer's suggested retail price on that product? Thirty nine ninety nine. Thirty nine ninety nine. Okay. I mean, that's what that, Yeah, I mean, that, you, even when you pay full price, which you don't have to if you look online, it's a, it's a good game. Yeah, it's one that people I think should have in their collections. Um, from a, from that standpoint, you know, a lot of people can understand. And, and you got to remember, five years ago, weren't we getting going through this avian flu thing and all that stuff? Yep, yep. And it made a whole lot more sense then. Yeah, and anthrax and all this other stuff. <laughs> anthrax? Oh my gosh. Well, think about remember it. the anthrax epidemic. Uh, well, you know, everybody was scared of anthrax, and you know, from that standpoint. So that's what everybody was. Ooh, I'm solving the world's anthrax and. What was that stupid um, Nicolas Cage, um, Sean Connery movie? Oh, Outbreak. Was it Outbreak? No, that was Dustin Hoffman. Was that the one with the monkey? Remember, no. there was a string of movies all of a sudden. Well, about wait a minute. There, there was a Nicolas Cage where it was like a like a Midwestern city, 
and there was an outbreak that happened in the city, and they were getting ready to nuke the whole city, but Nicolas Cage found a cure at the very last second. No, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about the one. Oh, no, it's called The Rock. Where- oh, that was also Nicolas Cage, and, and yes, there was going to be some terrorist that released some sort yeah, of Sean disease. Connery. It was um, yep. Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, and yep. – um, and they were having to fight the guy, and I can't even think of his name right now, but that's one great movie there. Tangent. Tan- oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> you know, what, maybe we should start doing a podcast on old movies and TV shows. <laughs> Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> we'll, we'll, th- fill the, we'll, we'll fill in the other half week with a pop culture look back at movies and TV shows. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, that's pandemic casual corner. Uh, one of the one of the uh, five years running. Great co-op games. One of the top rated co-op games on uh, out there. Give it a look. It's, you can watch it on tabletop. Uh, Will Wheaton did a great job on that. And so, to give you an idea of how to play it, if we didn't confuse you enough, maybe he can confuse you even more. Well, Marty, that about wraps up the show for today. We appreciate everybody hanging in there with us on our review of co-op games, what they are, what we think they are, um, and we'll Casual Corner on Pandemic. And we'll just want to give a big thanks for the for Steve, who was on our show last week and talked about football with us. He's given us a new logo, man. Uh, yeah, so we kind of had a redo. I just happened to have this idea to maybe change it up a little bit. And genius, pure genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you over there. But yeah, then Steve like, yeah, I can do that. And like five minutes later, bam, how's this? And I went, oh, that is sweet. Thank, so ho- thank goodness hopefully. the t-shirt order hasn't been placed yet. <laughs> That's right. And I was actually looking at that too. But uh, yeah, so I, I think I'm happy with where we are now. So it's a keeper, I think. Uh, I agree with you. So in for this podcast, we need to start coming up with names at the beginning for these things. So, you know, like, let's, can't we just all get along or something for episode five? And and then I, th- I think... Actually, we, that's pretty good. Won't we rewind to do this all over again? I don't think so. How about you just cut, edit, paste? All right? How about that work? For I you? like it. I'll do something like that. Uh, there you go. Episode five. Let's, can't we just all get along? And so two weeks, we got episode six coming out. We're going to focus a little bit on some dice games, I think. Uh, well, no, we actually maybe. about switching that around. Yeah. I it was either, uh, we talked about maybe switching to maybe doing Euro games. Yeah, and thank and, God we got and, a guest speaker, a guest star on that yes, one too. and that's, that's why, because we'll have a guest speaker on that one. And we need to make sure we fit into his spe- special schedule over there. I tell yeah, you we'll, what. we'll walk around this schedule. Uh, I know. We're, we're so hardcore here. All right, man. Well, I appreciate everybody listening. And Marty, if you would, because I'll screw up our, our all of our web stuff you got out there set up for us. Gosh, man. I don't know. It's so many things now. I just remember you can check us out on Twitter at dot. No, that's no, wrong. At, at, <laughs> dice. At, at Roll Dice. No, it's no, not. Dice it's at Dice and Names because you had to come up with that because we couldn't fit the whole thing. So Yeah, what's our, up with that? What the heck? Twitter, come on. Can't you get a little bit longer? <laughs> that's right. Okay, so Twitter, at Dice and Names, the website, www.RollDiceTakeNames.com, and our Facebook page, Roll Dice Take Names. So I think that covered it all. So we'll check you out. We'll check you out. That's good. No, how about you check us out in a couple weeks? See you later.
researcher. 